This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Happy Monday to you. We look ahead to game five of the NBA Finals back in Denver. We had your best audio of the day, including John. Uh. Happy Monday to you, North America. The mothership connected. We looked ahead to game five of the NBA Finals. John Sterling gets hit with a foul ball, and DA takes us inside fathership at the movies again. It's the best of the DA show. Now. We begin... With the NBA Finals, where the Heat have a chance to win their first NBA championship in franchise history in Game 5. They got the job done taking both in Miami, so now they come back for Game 5 at home, a win at home and clinches that first ever NBA championship. They are the heavy favorites coming back home for Game 5. And if, if, big if, because we know that the Heat have major Crunch time, big game, intensity time, DNA in their in their veins. They will not give up this title easily. And don't don't be surprised to see a tooth and nail effort from from Miami in game five. But if Denver does do this, whose legacy changes most with a championship for a franchise and a group of men that have never never done it before? It is where we begin. You're cold open. We're gonna approach it as a must-win game. You know, for for I know, I know it's a it's a big opportunity, and, and I think everybody knows. And by the reflection of the practice today, how everybody will locked in. I think I think we're gonna be ready for tomorrow. Uh, and you know, vets are there for to, to do their job. Long before we made it here, that I thought this was gonna happen. You know, it's a belief of being in the playoffs before, having the experience. Um, seeing the team and the chemistry grow, um, having the same core uh, my whole career. Um, that's when I saw it. You know, that's when I believed it. And, uh, you know, to be here just kind of rounds it out and, uh, you know, shows that when we're given the right uh, circumstances and everybody healthy, you know, God willing, um, that we can do it. I don't believe it! The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending... It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. All right, you heard two of the most important combatants for the Denver Nuggets, probably the two, and that'd be Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, of course. You also have Michael Malone, their head coach, who is trying to find his first championship ever and really put his name on a short list of those title-winning head coaches. And so the obvious answer is definitely Jokic, where everything about who he is, 
what his legacy is, what his reputation is, would change with a championship. Everything. And I think in many ways it already has, even without one. But with one, it cements it airtight. And that is because before this NBA postseason, even during the regular season this year, Jokic was seen as the stat guy. Nobody could deny the stats. Nobody could deny all of the triple doubles, all of the assists, the points scored, the rebounds. Nobody could ignore the box scores he was putting up. And thus, it was validated when he won the two NBA MVPs that this guy is just, at least numerologically, a cut above everybody else in the NBA. But in terms of respect, he never got it. He never got it. And I would put myself in the same category. That Jokic's numbers obviously leave you with your eyes popping. But at the same time, you don't put him in that short list of the NBA players you'd hate to face. Or the NBA players you have to watch or the NBA players you respect most. He just wasn't in that category. And so that changes with a championship. That you would have the inherent respect because of the MVPs, but now a championship puts it at a different level where you say, and now he's in this class, now he is one of the guys. Now he's one of the dudes in the NBA where clearly short list su- superstars, champions, He's on that list. You're LeBron's, Kevin Durant's, Giannis's, Nikola Jokic's. It's a short list. He, he's on that list. You might put Kawhi Leonard on that list based on what he did in San Antonio and Toronto. Doesn't play much anymore. But we know that list of guys that you cannot separate the league and not put their names in the middle of your conversation. Steph Curry. So that, that changes with Jokic. But I also think what has changed with Jokic with this playoff run is that forever it was easy to ignore the Nuggets' greatness. Not Jokic's greatness, let me put it that way. Not the Nuggets, Jokic's greatness. It was easy to ignore because the Nuggets weren't on national TV a lot. And they weren't a perennial deep playoff team. The one deep postseason they went on before this year was the bubble year, so you could write that off. And so you didn't really have to take Jokic seriously. A guy that just did this, those types of numbers, with a team that didn't go very far in the playoffs, I mean, you know, it was Adrian Dantley. You didn't really have to take that all that seriously. It was Tracy McGrady or Vince Carter or something like this. And so you can put those guys in a different box. You don't have to pay attention as much. This year, this run and winning a championship changes that as well. Now you've got to pay attention to it. Now you, you don't have to make excuses for not involving them in conversations. And I would go back to something we talked about here on the show and almost everybody in the national sports media landscape did a couple of months ago talking about who deserved the MVP and I said all along I would have given it to Joel Embiid this year I thought that he was a bit of a notch above regular season production wise than Nikola Jokic but a conversation that Kendrick Perkins had by saying that Jokic didn't even really deserve maybe the first two MVPs and that he perhaps got them because he was white 
And I think now all of that stuff, whether he was exciting enough to pay attention to, whether the Nuggets were good enough to pay attention to, whether you really respected his double MVPs and thought that he was worthy of a third MVP this year, all of that gets dumped out the window if he wins this championship and almost has already done so. I think everybody that pays attention to the NBA has done a bit of a 180 on him during this postseason because the production has come in all of the big games and all of the important swing games. He has done it consistently from day one of the playoffs until now. And now he's on the verge of a championship with a team that was a one seed. The best record of the West went through what we thought was a pretty good team of the Phoenix Suns, swept through the Los Angeles Lakers, and now has the Eastern Conference champ on the ropes three games to one. So it's going to be Jokic by a long shot of whose legacy changes most. I think then it's going to be Jamal Murray ahead of Michael Malone. And Murray's been fantastic, especially in bunches scoring-wise during this postseason. So Murray's reputation also is going to be is going to be changed dramatically. And, you know, I, I think what you'd go back and, and say, and this is something we talked about on this show a while ago, and I saw that Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo were discussing this on the Ringer podcast, is that it it might be time to start thinking whether the Nuggets should have been doing this before this year because they went to the Western Conference Finals during the bubble. But the last two years, they could have done this except Jamal Murray was injured. And so maybe the respect of the Nuggets has been long time coming and delayed only because of the injury to Murray. Had that not happened, we probably would have seen the Nuggets in a Finals or another Western Conference championship, at least, in the previous two years, then this run wouldn't have been so surprising. And then it would be Michael Malone. Now, the reason that I put him third is just because we have Frank Vogel has won a championship, Nick Nurse has won a championship, Budenholzer has won a championship, and those guys aren't vaulted to the top of coaching. It's not like just by virtue of winning, we go, wow, and then you got to give that guy respect. So... It happens to a certain degree, but but not as much as the players who obviously run the NBA. But that would be definitely the list of whose who's legacy changes most with a Denver Nuggets championship. And it would also mean that a, a Nuggets franchise that has never done this, never won a title, gets to hang a banner and be part of a group that they have been on the outside of since day one. Tonight is game five from Denver, 8.30 Eastern tip in the NBA Finals. Here's your phone number, 855-212-4CBS or on Twitter, DA on CBS. Well, we've embarked upon a historic week here. We are now four days away. Four shows away from the third annual Bob's Bar. And I think that we have ratcheted up the intensity for this Bob's Bar show more than the last two combined and maybe more than we'll ever get to. I I just feel like there's so many things percolating. There are so many potential guests and bits 
and visuals and goodies and foods and dishes and beers and listeners. I just think that there's there's more anticipation for this one by a long shot than the first two combined and then some. And I know that there's a lot of you coming. There's a lot. I have gotten a number of DMs and emails and messages over the last, I would say, 72 hours since Friday's show, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I have to admit I was taken aback by some. I'm going to start unveiling some of the personal stories that I've gotten of people that are traveling here for it, but let it be known, there's a listener from Vancouver flying standby for this thing, trying to get out here to the East Coast, which if you're flying standby means you arrive early to the airport and you might stay late, like multiple days to get this thing done. There's a guy in Vancouver saying, I don't care what it takes. I might not have the financial funds. I'm going there and just trying to make my way through seven connections over four days to Bob's bar. It's it's a whole it's a whole different vibe than in previous years. And so if you can make it, I highly encourage you to try to do so. I would also say that the long-term forecast now, Friday looks pretty good. And I and talking to Mraz off air of what we've got lined up. We got this. We got that. This could come through. That's going to come through. We got this. I mean, we have, at the gate, we have gifts for the first 60 that show up. This is really like going to a ballpark and, you know, the first X number of fans that show up get a bobblehead. It's just wild. We got giveaways at the door, but so... I don't know where it's going to end, but I know that this week the drum beat grows louder. Last week it was quiet and soft. Over the week it became bum, bum, bum. And now over the course of this week it's going to go bum, 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 bum <laughs> until we get to Friday and it just explodes. Tony Mraz, I don't know if you've had the same experience, but people are just reaching out to me from all corners being like, I'm going to be there on Friday. Yeah, so I don't know if you've directed some of those people to my email or I'm getting a separate batch of people, but there were a few that, you know, names that I was familiar with that needed to confirm addresses with me as they prepare. So the addresses started to leak a little bit. Um, I will also say that I could confirm part of the show. We will have a live stun to a news told by somebody who will be in attendance at the show. It is that crazy as stun to a news as well. Wow. That, that is how this show has continued to develop and weave out. So it's almost like an SNL weekend update in front of an audience. Somebody's going to deliver a live rendition of Stun to a News there. Yes, and I think it would be worthy of Stun to a News even if we found this out about somebody else, about something else. like that. It, things are just crazy. I have two full trays of mac and cheese being delivered to Bob's Bar on Thursday night ahead wow. of this on Friday. It, things are just wow. popping, man. Wow. And where are we with the construction in the streets? So uh, no construction continued. You're just going to have some uneven patches where to park nice. the car. So we're still seem to be fine. 
So we'll see how this week develops. Uh, I've had several people call me looking for spots on my couch as well. So this could just become Woodstock over at my house now this weekend. Uh, And I can confirm somebody flying in from Florida as well. So Vancouver doesn't make it. You have another candidate for an oil to boil. Wow. And... Does look like the weather's going to shape up Beautiful. well for us on Friday, right? Beautiful. It's looking like we could hit 80 degrees by 8 a.m. at Bob's Bar with not a cloud in the sky. The heavens have looked down. And I will tell you, the pool finally went in yesterday. I had reports from people there. Ice cold was the temperature for the bet payoff <laughs> when I get thrown in. <laughs> but the pool is open, ready to go. Yes. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean, I'm sorry, Stephen Saverna Park, that you should bring your Speedo and hop in, but at least we're open for the bet payoff to end the show. <laughs> Any nerves in West Babylon? Uh, a lot. A lot. Um, the town is, is doesn't know what to make of it. They don't know what to come. What's to come? I said, well, if you guys are all knuckleheads. You can deal with everybody else coming in. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they think this is a big deal. This is a big deal for the town. This is a big deal for the community. And this is a big deal to show that a place that nets any, it's not anywhere near a beach can rival the Jersey Shore in terms of a radio show starting a summer bar tour. Let me ask, how should we disseminate the personal address of your parents? Come to me. Send them to my email. Okay, just keep pushing him, pushing him privately. Away. We're not going to tweet out the address or Facebook out the address. It'll be a personal. Let me look you over a little quick background check. Boom. You're checked off. Here's the address. Oh, that, that's really? seems, that seems to be the, oh, the, there's the a background check. Well, you know, you don't want to make sure there's any criminals. And I will tell I mean, we did also get a tweet in knockout. Neil's back in. He will be in attendance. I know knockout. Neil is coming. And I said this all along, even though knockout. Neil and I had a bit of a falling out. Maybe he's fallout. Neil this year. <laughs> I am welcoming him back with open arms because I don't want to keep any of the loyalty aliens out. And the listeners that showed up last year, Knockout Neil being one of them, to the first ever Bob's Bar that was open to the, to the listeners, open to the public, basically, I don't want anything to stand in the way of those guys forever being welcome back because I they could- are like the group of old guys that went to Super Bowl one and are still going, <laughs> you have to make sure that those guys get the proper respect. So Knockout Neil, Dan in Mechanicsburg, Justin in Albany, Tommy Topspin, the guys that showed up last year, the listeners, have to always be respected because they're going to go down in history. <laughs> I agree. I agree. The founding fathers, if you will. Yeah. And I think I think all four are confirmed to come back. So yes, that's a big deal. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. presents this program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. 
It's DA Soundcheck. We appreciate you being with us, and you can always listen to the show on hundreds of affiliates nationwide, also on Sirius XM Channel 158, and you can stream us using your phone. Check out the you check out the free Odyssey app or the free CBS Sports app to stream us as well and tell your smart speaker to play CBS Sports Radio. We begin with Chris Paul, who's going to find a new home after his Phoenix Suns run here. He joined the Pivot podcast, and Chris Paul, renowned as perhaps one of the greatest players ever not to win an NBA championship, here's CP3. She's at that age now where at school, kids talk crazy to her. Right. So she had a little boy, whatever, at school that said some reckless stuff to her. It was like, your daddy ain't never going to win no championship. Ouch. Chris Paul's daughter hearing it at school. I wonder if that was Bill Ryder's son. (laughs) (laughs) There are a few things in, in the radio universe that make me laugh more that I enjoy more than Bill Ryder just going after Chris Paul all of the time. I love it. I really love it. I think it's just great. It's so much fun. But that's tough. Hey, that's when you know you really have a reputation when you have kids in elementary school that are parroting the takes. That's when you know that the takes have gone global. The takes have gone worldwide. Like, the kids in school today are not going to be talking about how Jokic's legacy changes tonight with a championship. They're not going to be talking about whether Michael Malone belongs to the top five head coaches, but they will be talking about how Chris Paul ain't never going to win a championship. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough. If there was a New York take that Taylor would have at pre-K that maybe she gets from you, what do you think would be the sports take from Taylor? Well, first of all, I like that she'd be on the offensive and not some kid going, your daddy pooped his pants once. I I, I would hope that would let's be hope. that. Now, that could happen down the road. <laughs> like, uh, let's keep that in play. I could totally see her going up to, like, a Timmy Bellotti if they were in the same school district and saying, my daddy says Jacob DeGrom will never be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> and that really getting home to Pete. Timmy wouldn't have any part of that. <laughs> <laughs> So you think you've said that enough to where it has absorbed into Taylor's mind. Yeah, yeah. Either that or Taylor goes up to Timmy Pilate and says, my daddy says Aaron Rodgers is only going to win seven games for the Jets this year. (laughs) (laughs) I would think that Taylor would know either the Jets or the Eagles we don't root for in this house. Oh, sure. Something like that. Isn't it? There's got to be a team that you have definitely put into oh. her mind that is no good. It's the Cowboys because she kept saying lines from Woody and uh, Toy Story about like uh, "hee haw, cowboy," whatever. And I've banned her saying those lines, and she knows Cowboys not welcome in this house. Oh, okay. So even Cowboys like Woody from Toy Story, she can not play with the, the toy, but he's not to be referred to as a cowboy because I don't want that subliminally seeping into her mind. So she's not allowed to say the word cowboy? Refusal. No, that word is a bad word. It's an adult word. In this cowboy way. is a bad word. Yes, it's an adult word. No different than some of the curse words she's heard. That she says. Yeah, well, <laughs> we have to break that in <laughs> From <early>. you. <laughs> Here is Andy Reid as the Chiefs were honored at the White House for winning the Super Bowl back in February. And Andy Reid doing what Andy Reid does. 
memorizing that play card. Well, in this case, the Waffle House play card. A French toast, grilled cheese, and ham sandwich that they sprinkled a little bit of powdered sugar on. I mean, it was phenomenal. The guys were, and it was, there was abundance of this. Uh, and, and then they had uh, chicken fingers, exotic chicken fingers to boot. And then maybe the best part was they had, uh, which I hadn't seen before, but little bite-sized squares of the heart of the watermelon. So this is what the White House served? This is what they served the Chiefs. They asked Andy Reid, what did the White House serve you guys when you came to the White House? So and the he- White House went Waffle House. Uh, I mean, I get. Is that what I wrote? No, I mean. That's what he's saying, right? No, no. He's, no, he's just saying what's on the menu. They served them French toast, sandwiches with ham and cheese, heart of the watermelon, and exotic chicken. Oh, things. okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm reading this wrong. This is the White House's... This was the White House menu, not the Waffle House menu. Yeah, please tell me I didn't write Waffle House. No, 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 you didn't. Okay, Okay. all right. Got it. For some reason, that was in my mind. I thought maybe I saw that somewhere else. Okay, so the White House served sandwiches that were ham and cheese, but the bread was French toast. Yes, and sprinkled a little. that sounds great. And he said he sprinkled a little powdered sugar on there to add to it. Yeah, that's a a thing, guys. That's like a, that has a name. It has a French name. Monte Cristo? A Monte Cristo or a Croque Monsieur. One of those things. Monte Cristo. It just came to me. That really? might be. Yes. But he said it was very, quote, oh, no, that was the other thing. He said there was an abundance of it. So that's what he said. He was very happy that they had that much of it. And then what was the second thing he said? I heard he said Chicken that... fingers, but exotic chicken fingers. Oh, now, what wonder... could that mean? Panko breadcrumb or something? Wow. Sauce, probably. Different sauce. A different sauce? Like a... Yeah, maybe different breading and a different sauce? Yeah, maybe something like that. Some hmm. teriyaki, you have, uh, you know... Different, different oh, oh maybe they're glazed a couple glazed. different ways. Right, right. Oh, right. good point. Okay, for the record, I'm just looking up the Monte Cristo. The Monte Cristo is ham and cheese with French toast as the bun, but it also has mustard and mayonnaise. Oh, you can't do that with it's French one toast. One on each side. Mustard on one side of the bread, mayonnaise on the other side Some, of the bread. Sometimes, but you, you can get it without it, and it's much better without it. You can get it with like a, there's like a cherry or glazed dip that you can Ooh. dip it in. Really? Yep. I, you know, I've always heard of the Monte Cristo. I kind of had like a general knowledge of what it was, but I guess I never really drilled down. And I'm looking at how it's made. You put the pieces of, of bread down, okay? And then you put the ham and the cheese on it. Mm-hmm. And you, you, have, you have it in the batter. Actually, no, then you put the whole sandwich in the batter and then you fry it up. So... It's not like you're putting pieces of French toast together. You're actually making the whole thing together in the skillet, so it's all heated up. Oh. Yeah. There's also then a croque monsieur, which is which is French toast bread with a san- to make a sandwich too. So they're very similar. So maybe like one of those two things were in play at the White House. Oh. Wow. Wow, this is a real game changer. This makes me want to eat this right now because it's an excellent breakfast, right? Ham, cheese, and French toast with powdered sugar. Oh, you're getting your protein, your unhealthy meat, some melted cheese, and the beauty of a French toast with the powdered sugar. Salty, sweet. That's a perfect brunch setup. Croque masseur. How have I never had this? So, Bogues, you're pretty familiar with the Monte Cristo. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say familiar, but I knew that's what it was the second Sean described it, that it was one of these two things. And I didn't realize how close they were. They're basically identical, these two sandwiches. I don't know why they have separate names. I truly well, love it. 
what I do love is that Andy Reid is unaware that it has a French name, and he just approached the table Good and went, right. this yes. is a ham and cheese sandwich on French toast. He's like the everyday man. He's not even going to the in-depth French name. He did not know it was a Monte Cristo. Wow. <laughs> and it's funny that he's never seen a watermelon in heart-shaped balls. That right. seems to be a pretty common thing, right? Like <laughs> any PTA well, meeting has this. To, to be honest, he you know, it's fruit DA, so I don't right. know how much Andy Reid's walking through, but yeah. it's just it's unreal. You could also tell that Andy Reid didn't feel shy about grabbing a second ham and cheese sandwich on French toast when he tells you there's an abundance of it. Almost no in case anybody was watching him go back for more. Well, yeah, if you're going to be honored to the White House, I hope you're not worried that it'll run out. I'm really hoping that you feel comfortable enough to go up there and get seconds. Finally, this happened over the weekend, and it almost feels like the DA show's script writers wrote this out. During Red Sox-Yankees, there was a foul ball back behind the plate. It happens to come perilously close to the Yankees' radio press box. And who's on the call? Of course, our friend John Sterling. Here's how it sounded on Yankees radio. And Holmes at the belt. And now the 3 2 swung on, a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a 3-2. <laughs> Number one, it's the third ow that gets you. Ow! <laughs> ow! Ow! <laughs> the it's third the third ow that gets you. The third ow just kills me. Ow! 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 Like, if you stub your toe, if you pinch your hand in, like, a, a hinge or something in the door, you say, ah. But then if you do it again, ah, ah, oh, you know it's bad. But then the third one, you're like, ah, ah, ah. That's when it becomes, like, comical. That's like when it's a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. But then the second thing is, I I'm really impressed that he just picks up the play-by-play -play and here's the 3-2. I mean, he's 84 years old. Uh, Bogues, you're you're the play-by-play -play guy around here. That's really damn impressive, especially at his age, is it not? Well, let's put also make it known that we now can see the video. We were initially told that Sterling Cam was not going to be released of this incident. And Correct. then it was yesterday. It so was under embargo for mm -hmm. the first couple of hours. And then, now that we've seen it, and that initial thud, by the way, is the ball hitting the desk and ricocheting up off of his forehead, Thanks. basically. Ow! <laughs> I don't... First of all, the, the, that he only said, ow, is remarkable. I would have been cursing up a storm True. and then crying. Uh, and I would have at least missed a pitch. And this dude didn't. I don't... Oh, he's uh, oh. not human. Ow! It did whack him good. It, it got it him really good. good. In the it, forehead. Right. And it should be noted, this is like a little inside baseball, inside radio. Sterling is left alone for that top of the inning because Susan Woman, his partner, goes down to the field because when the Yankees are winning, she's going to grab an interview on the field. And the producer goes down with her to help corral the interview. So there's nobody up there to jump in front, deflect this ball. Sterling slides himself right to the middle. He is left alone, so he has no choice but to pivot and go back to the 3-2. To him to have that mindset is Good unreal. Point.
Yeah, there was no safety blanket there. There was no he, if he stopped calling the game, nobody was going to be there to pick it up. There is so much that we that is so fortuitous here. Number one, that there is a Sterling cam now to see things like this. Number two, that it happened to John Sterling and not a younger broadcaster that might it might not have been as funny. Number three, thankfully it ricochets and it was not on the fly. If it was on the fly, things would get real grisly. Number four, that it didn't hit him in the glasses. It hits him in the forehead and he's wearing glasses at the time. Imagine that shatters the lens of the yeah. of his glasses. There was a lot oh. that could have gone really wrong there, but instead it's just a comical John Sterling moment, and thank goodness <laughs> for that. Ow! I, I, I mean, I would Ow. argue, what are, what are the glasses for based on some of the commentary we've heard from some of these games? <laughs> well, I, like well, how, I like how he looked up. And the ball bounced in front of him <laughs> <laughs> off the table. Yeah, that's true. That's why he doesn't know where the ball's going. He had no idea what was happening. Yeah. That's why left field can be so far away. It is remarkable in every way that John routinely loses balls that are going out of the ballpark, that are not going out of the ballpark, that are in the dirt, that are at the warning track, that are this, that, and the other thing, that he conveniently just misses plays and stuff all over the place, and yet... In this case, he just goes right back to calling play-by-play -play like he's a play-by-play -play cyborg that you simply cannot turn him off. You And people want him to retire at 84. I mean, the guy can get drilled by a foul ball and just never miss a pitch. He ain't going anywhere. I got news for Justin Shackle and the rest of these guys that want that job. He ain't never retiring, okay? Do I, not I, hold your breath. He ain't never leaving that booth. I, I made the joke yesterday. Our friend Emmanuel Barbari, who's like third in line, I said there was nobody rooting for that ball that hit him harder than Emmanuel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new good game. You missed it, DA, because Emmanuel was so sweet and unassuming, and Sean was just laying it on so thick about how badly he wants things to happen to Shackle and to Sterling to get that job, and Emmanuel has no idea how to handle it. So the next time he's here, you got to do the same thing tease him about this because it makes him squirm there was a moment last night where justin shackle and emmanuel saw this video and their hearts dropped out like i'm never getting that job it'll never happen if it doesn't bounce we're in if it doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't bounce i'm on the next road trip <laughs> subway series this week it was almost me <laughs> I could have had the Subway series. It could have been mine. Rule tape. Wait a minute. Why do you want that beer so bad? Because he's thirsty, dummy. Too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. Now answer my question. Were you rushing or were you dragging? From the minds that brought you Mothership at the movies, he's bleary-eyed, he's mixing formula, and he's sifting through the Roku channel at 4 a.m. Now's the time. We present Fatherhood at the Movies. Okay, you look so like a dad who lost his kid at Coachella. Thanks for that, I appreciate it. I've been stuck watching movies overnight, although we have had some good breakthroughs. AJ is starting to sleep on his own in the bassinet. This was huge. Oh. Yeah. This was a big one. Last night, 
I had him for a couple of hours in the Mama Roo, which is like a rocking chair. Mm -hmm. He slept there for a couple of hours. Then I fed him and put him down to the bassinet. We got a full hour out of him in the bassinet. So we're, we're making some big moves here, okay. which is the breakthrough we really needed going into the fourth full week. He'll be three weeks old tomorrow. This is what we were looking for as maybe the, the schedule starts to open up a little bit. We were pummeled early. We're chasing 500 right now, but it looks like there might be a soft spot in the schedule where we could take advantage. Bryce Young. We have done we have done the, the worst four of the fatherhood fatherhood of the movies. Ideal Home with Paul Rudd was the worst movie I saw. <laughs> then 65, which was 65 million years ago with Adam Driver was a disaster. I was unfortunately unplussed by Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> that bothered me that I didn't like it. That was number 12. And number 11 was the Laurel and Hardy biopic, Stan and Ollie, which was set back in the 30s and 40s. Number 10, Elvis. The life of American music icon Elvis Presley from his childhood to becoming a rock and movie star in the 1950s with his complex relationship with his manager, Colonel Tom Parker. The good in this is Tom Hanks, and that's what really drew me in. It's a period piece as well. I'm always in for period pieces. When I saw the trailer on this a couple of years ago when it debuted, it debuted, I guess, it premiered in 2022, so it's a little over a year old. I saw it and thought, oh, that could be very cool. And Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker was outstanding, and I really didn't know the depths of that relationship where Tom Parker really took him for all he was worth. But there was also kind of a symbiotic relationship where even though Colonel Tom Parker was manipulating and exploiting Elvis financially, and then at the end when Elvis wasn't in good health, etc., Elvis still didn't begrudge him. He didn't resent him. At the end, which they didn't show, Colonel Tom Parker has to get charged after Elvis's death with misappropriation of money and embezzlement, so it got really ugly. But I didn't really know that, so I liked learning about a new layer to an American icon, and I love Tom Hanks. He's, he's never... Everything that he does is terrific. That, unfortunately, was the end of the good for me when it came to this. That's the only Booskies here. I thought this was plotting... I thought that they start when he's really young and then kind of coming up and then fast forward through like basically the entire decade of the late 50s and 60s until we get to his Vegas years. So there's a huge gap in the story. And also what really didn't do it for me is that the movie's long and feels long because of Austin Butler, who plays Elvis. I just thought that he was no good. I think they casted him because he kind of looked like a young Elvis, but he had no third dimension. It was a two-dimensional type of performance. It was like he just, there was no depth to Elvis. And I just thought Austin Butler sucked. It, he was the quarterback of a team with championship aspirations. and They built a championship team around him. And he just, he was flat. He was Russell Wilson. I just didn't like Austin Butler at all. He really bothered me by the end. And then what really, really set me off is you ask the audience to spend more than two hours investing in this story. I think it was like two and a half hours or something. And by the end, what you really want, at least the payoff that I want, is Fat Elvis. Because by the end, 
this is the story of Elvis. He goes from crooning, wonderful, handsome American icon to kind of sad punchline in Vegas, and he's overweight. He's eating the banana and pickle sandwiches and having a heart attack on the can. Like, that's the way this ends. <laughs> and he gets overweight, and he's playing Vegas, and he's looking all cheesy and whatnot, and they never put a fat suit on him. Austin Butler is the same weight as Elvis as he was when he's young as when he's on the verge of dying. And I'm like, you got to get the fat suit on this. That's the only way this is believable. Because he's not, he's not really ugly. He's not really aged. He's got to be fat. <laughs> so the fact, Murad, that they, they failed to put the fat suit on him. And this is from director Boz Lerman, who has a lot of, of big projects in, on his repertoire. I thought was woefully <laughs> inadequate for the story. I gave Elvis two and a half oinks. <laughs> two and a half oinks. Uh, I, DA, for the record, I liked the movie better than you. I actually liked the guy that played Elvis, and I didn't like Tom Hanks in this movie, which is so funny. Really? I, we, we end up at the same spot. Too long. Don't like the non-fat. Uh, the death all of a sudden he's in an airplane next thing you know he's in Indianapolis and he's dead like they rushed the ending after going so long yeah but I thought that Tom Hanks again that was the main draw I'm look if Colonel Tom Parker actually sounded like that fine it just it almost felt like it was the first time I saw a Tom Hanks movie where he was trying too hard to perfect the role where it just came across as non-believable where the Elvis character absolutely it felt like I was watching the best Elvis impersonator I've ever seen really yes wow. Running time, two hours, 39 minutes. Woo! Number nine, King of Staten Island. This is the Pete Davidson movie. Have you seen this? Uh, yes. Yes. This came out during pandemic. I never watched it during pandemic. I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with Pete Davidson. I do think there's some things that he's funny, and I think there were some ske sketches, skits on SNL some weekend updates that he was really good with. Then other stuff, I find him completely unlikable. King of Staten Island, he plays Scott, and it's been a case of arrested development since his firefighter dad died, which is a bit of an autobiography because, as we know, his father was killed in 9-11. Pete Davidson's dad was a New York firefighter. Scott spends his days smoking weed and dreaming of being a tattoo artist until events force him to grapple with his grief and take his first steps towards a new life. The good here, Marissa Tomei. I mean, I don't know why Marissa Tomei isn't in more movies. She is phenomenal in everything that I've ever seen. And whether it's, I mean, a movie from the 90s, like My Cousin Vinny, or this movie, she just always crushes it. And I feel like Marissa Tomei is wildly underappreciated with her movie career. She's fantastic. Number two, I thought by the end of it, the message was a good one. He's kind of adopted by the firehouse that remembers his dad. He was kind of too young to remember much of his dad. The message is good that, like, even your heroes have flaws, and especially if they're family, there's no reason to erase those flaws. He appreciated hearing about how his dad was apparently a bit of a coke fiend. He appreciated hearing that his dad wasn't perfect, because all he had heard growing up was how his dad was put on a pedestal. So there was a good message there where 
reality is sometimes more healthy than putting somebody on a pedestal. And by the end, he's adopted kind of by this, this fraternity of a firehouse. I thought that it portrayed the life of a firehouse well. I've got a few friends whose dads are firefighters. In fact, one of my close friends had a dad who passed away in 9-11. So I appreciated seeing that part of things where it doesn't, we don't usually kind of get that intimate. It's not just this heroic, we go out and fight fires. It was more of, there is a fraternity that is built, built through kind of like some late nights with beers, some meals, some kind of egging on one another, busting chops, what have you. So I, I did like that, and I thought it took a turn for the better about midway through. What I didn't like, though, from this movie is that I find Pete Davidson, at least in this film, almost completely unlikable. I don't know if you're supposed to kind of find him funny when he's the smoke, the, the weed-smoking guy. I don't know if that whole bit of he's a deadbeat and he just is kind of like a class clown and he's got no motivation and he's just... He's tattooing a nine-year-old in the park as kind of a gag, that he's a bad tattoo artist, that he has an idea of a tattoo artist restaurant. I don't know if this is supposed to make him more uh, accessible or humanized, but I just found him so unlikable. And it came back to there's sometimes I'm okay with Davidson and there's other times where I just find him impossible to stomach. And most of this film was impossible to stomach for me. So while the cast was good, I thought his friends also were unlikable. I didn't think they were very good. I gave this 2.75 oinks simply because it took a good turn at the end, but I thought for a Judd Apatow film, pretty underwhelming. 2.75 oinks. What'd you think? Uh, this movie turned me on. I hated Pete Davidson before I saw this movie. Now I really like Pete Davidson, but I'm with wow. you for the most part. This turns you into liking him. It, it's amazing. I don't remember an actor or a comedian or anything like ever happening like this before, but I'm with you. He, he was super annoying early, but I almost felt like because it was a biopic or a biopic, whatever you want to call it, uh, it made me feel like I watched Pete Davidson grow as a person in the movie, and therefore I respect him way more now than I did before. Well, you know what I had a problem with, and I maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's beyond his control. I feel like I know too much about his personal life. So, ah. of course, I have much empathy. He lost his dad in 9-11. Okay, so here's a movie kind of like processing that. We know so much about who he dates. We've learned so much about the Kim Kardashian stuff. Now he's in this bupkis, right? Is his new TV series, which is also kind of autobiographical. Yeah. Autobiographical. It's At like some everything point, yeah. he does is supposed to be. How many times did he joke about in his stand-up act the Kim Kardashian stuff, his dad stuff? It's like everything that he mines for entertainment is about his own life. Yeah. I kind of feel like I'm over. I'm oh, I'm done with knowing so much about who he is and his story. That's true. I haven't seen much of it since, but I'm with you. I also did not know about his dad until I watched this movie, so maybe that made it better for me. Okay. The final movie we'll do here in the top ten is number eight, Hall Pass. Now, this is not a new movie. This is about 15 years old. I think it was two, oh, oh. No, about 10 years old. You had never seen Hall Pass until you I had, had never seen Hall Pass. How okay. are you surprised by this? He hasn't. He didn't see Breaking Bad until two Wednesdays ago. Uh, I guess that's true. I had never seen Hall Pass, and this was one of the ones. This was a chunk of movies here where I said the guys are going to be proud of it. 
because I watched new movies like Elvis, a relatively new movie that at least had a lot of like widespread notoriety in, in King of Staten Island, and then a hall pass where you guys would be, again, annoyed at, that I never saw it and that I'm checking <laughs> off the list of seeing it. So okay. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm killing two birds with one stone here. I haven't seen it, and the guys will be proud of me that I'm finally seeing this. Owen Wilson, who I love, Jason Sudeikis, who we all love, play Rick and Fred, two husbands who are having difficulty in their marriages, are given a hall pass by their wives for one week. They can do whatever they want. Okay, so the good here is, again, the cast. Owen Wilson, I just love. Jason Sudeikis, it's a little early in Sudeikis's maturation to who he is now. He's so much more confident. He's so much more of the polished Sudeikis than 2011, 12 years ago. His hair's a little flat. He's not quite as vivacious. It's a little bit like a subdued version of Sudeikis when you watch it now. I think if you watch it then and you just think back, maybe you think it's like Sudeikis has always been a polished product. But it's it's a little bit of an early version of Sudeikis. It's good, but it's not as great as I wanted it. I thought the women in this particularly Christina Applegate, is outstanding. Yeah. And Owen Wilson, outstanding. But they're not the couple, the main couple. It's Jenna Fisher, who is Owen Wilson's wife. And I thought that Jenna Fisher was okay, but it was like two stars playing on different teams if they were on the same team a little bit better. Because the secondary couple is Applegate and Sudeikis. The other part is this is a Farrelly Brothers movie, and the Farrelly Brothers have kind of a gross-out aspect to them with a lot of big scenes and big laughs think about um, something about Mary there's some big iconic scenes there isn't really a big iconic scene in this there's a few scenes that are kind of chuckly there's not a big like ha ha and I was waiting for that and I never oh. got it it was a good movie I didn't think it was a great movie I thought that the the scene where they're going through the house of one yes. of their rich friends and seeing what the rich friends are kind of bragging about. I'm like, is that a thing? I've never experienced that where friends invite you over for like an open house and they say, look at our new man cave. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. We just bought this. It, I could, I don't know. I couldn't relate to that. That's one of the big scenes where they're caught on camera saying all this stuff and everybody's offended by it. So I thought it was good, but it, it, it lacked a certain something for me because I expected more and I loved the cast. So Hall Pass for me got a three out of five oinks. Not a lot of big laughs for me, but it sounds oh. like you guys love this movie. It's one of my 75 greatest movies of all time. <laughs> for sure. I loved it. One of uh, 74. And the, uh, I mean, I, have, I don't know where it falls again, but it's definitely one of my 75. And for me, <laughs> iconic is the scene at Applebee's. Uh, with J.B. Smoove when he says, you know, let's go to Chili's, and then the idea of, uh, what's-his-face, the porky guy when he says, I'm going to need a bath afterwards. <laughs> I mean, that to me... So you is, could relate to that. Uh, it's one of the all-time great movie scenes ever. I mean, that's, that's the squirrel jumping out of the tree in Christmas Vacation. I understand why Owen Wilson can't be necessarily like a clown in this because he's got to play. And there's, there's certainly a, relate, a relatability where you're in a marriage for a certain amount of time, and you think that everything is better on the outside, then you know here's the lesson that you come full circle with. That actually, all you really need is at home. And so, you know, I can appreciate that as well. But I guess I didn't need the like feel good life lesson at the end of something from a Farrelly Brothers film. Hmm. And that the the character I actually liked best was Coakley. 
who's the old yeah. guy yeah. who wears the crazy hat and he's like the club goer. <laughs> yeah, he's because the dad all, and stepbrothers, right? <laughs> yeah, we all, yes, right, the dad and stepbrother. We all know the guy that's too old for the clubs that can't give it up and right. that he's kind of a veteran of the process. And that, I really like that character because that character hasn't really been explored in a lot of movies. But I needed more of that, like the irreverent, we're not really here to learn a lesson about how you should just be happy in your marriage. We're here to really have a lot of like gross out fun. And I didn't get that. That's what I was expecting from a Farrelly Brothers film with Owen Wilson and Jason Sudeikis. What'd you think, Bogues? <laughs> well, if I had a top 75 movie list, this yeah. would not be on it. Okay. Uh, it's a good movie. It's not a great movie. You don't have to see it. Um, but it's funny. It's like a good Saturday night. You get, you sit down. You're flipping around. It's on. You yeah, should watch it. It moves easily. Right. Yeah, it's, yep. Now, if I was making lists, and I'll be a pig for a second, Nikki Whalen, who's the blonde in the movie, and Alex Daddario, who's been in White Lotus most recently, they mean, might, might be on my top 75 women of all time. So that's a plus oh, for this wow. movie. Okay. But, yeah, it's like I, I probably get maybe three and a half winks. It's not an all-timer, though. I don't think it belongs on anybody's top 75 movie list. Yeah. Owen Wilson's been in five better movies, and Jason Sudeikis has been in five better movies than this one for them. So it's like a fine movie, but it's not one of their iconic movies. We're going to have to agree to disagree. I'm just proud that you finally saw it. Well, I'm telling you, you know, AJ has brought a lot of good things into my life. Obviously, <laughs> being a father is is a tremendously rewarding experience. I think it's... It's helped me and my wife just have a different type of bond when you go through something like this. It's a real war. You know, you, you've gone through something. And so it's made us incredibly connected. And my parents are over the moon. This is their first grandchild. And, and so AJ has brought a lot of joy. What he's also brought is a lot of opportunities for me to redeem myself. I know that I've been embarrassment on this show. I know that I have not pulled my weight in seeing modern pop culture. And so I have used this opportunity to learn about the things that I should be learned about. I'm more dialed into the Stanley Cup final than ever before. You know, once upon a time, I would ask you, you know, who is a Conor Verghehe? Now. <laughs> Carter Verhage. Now, <laughs> him too. <laughs> now, you know, I'm giving you breakdowns of the power play and the special teams, uh, right? Mm. And so AJ has helped me be a better sports talk host and pop culture connoisseur. I'm no longer an embarrassment to the just, degree that I was. I just can't wait to see where Billy Madison ends up on this list. I'm very excited. I'm telling you from the next, let's see, now we're up to number seven. So I'll do two more segments here this week. <laughs> I mean, hold on. Before you run any farther. I've got a message from AJ. He'd like his dad to turn the TV off so he can sleep. <laughs> You've watched 17 movies in 11 days. Give the kid a break. Put some music. Put, I, put some music on. At least mute the TV. Let, let the kid. He can't sleep. I wonder why. I'm watching my third family. No, movie. that's not true. Well, he can sleep, but he has been in our arms. So that's the issue. That if you're going <laughs> to yeah. hold him for him to sleep, what do you do? You can scroll your phone for only so long, folks. At three in the morning. You need something to keep you up. And I will say, out of respect to AJ, I've put the volume on either two or three. Okay, it's been very, very low, and I've put closed captioning on in oh, case I miss anything. Come on, there's I no way anything. you can enjoy a movie and give a proper rating like that. Well, I mean, look. <laughs> Kids can barely hear their first two months. It's extenuating circumstances. I have wanted to make sure he stays sleeping, and I will agree. Maybe I haven't caught every clever phrase Every intonation of an actor, 
but I've tried to, to thread the needle here by watching films, but making sure I'm not disturbing the little one. You got to get Drew Brees' kid's headphones. You'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) The sizzle of the best goals. Sing us a song. You're the overtime ending man. The saltiness of the best games. We're having a good time. Having a good time. Crave the nightly action of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's a hockey, you know, it's only it's only game. Why do you have to be mad? He's a good guy. It's your morning serving of Canadian bacon. Only on the DA show. Alright, game four over the weekend. Raz, take it away. All right, Damon, it's good to be back in the chair. Transplant residents and alligator-loving locals packed the pavilion outside One Panther Parkway in Sunrise, Florida on Saturday night. It was not. It was a nice-to-have-it game for the Knights and a gotta-have-it game for the Panthers as two teams without a Stanley Cup continued to battle for their first. Chandler Stevenson would strike first to give Vegas a 1-0 lead in the first period, but Chandler continued to bing in the second period and made the game no laughing matter for Janice or any Panthers fan. <laughs> Down the left wall by Stone. He breaks left circle. Looks to the middle of the shot. Stevenson scores! Second of the day for Chandler Stevenson. 2-0 Golden Knights. He was there for you when the Panthers started to fall. Vegas kept their 2-0 lead, and it extended to 3-0 when William Carlson with a K made the game 3-zip. The Cats needed to clean up their litter box to have any chance to come back in this game. They would start to chip away, though, as Brandon Montour de France cycled one in to cut the lead to 3-1 heading to the third period. In the third period, the Panthers became dopes as Alexander Barkov said, here we go, Panthers, here we go, woof, woof, and cut the Vegas lead to three to two. It was pucker up your butt cheeks time for night fans. Could they really lose public funding for an A stadium and a three to nothing game four lead in the same week? Aiden Henry Hill continued to be a good fella for the Knights in net turning away shot after shot. There would be one last flurry, though, as time expired. The Panthers literally scratched and clawed, trying to get one final puck across. But instead, the Pink put the Jeep... Oh, no. But instead, the Pink put the sleep juice would begin to drip for the Panthers. And the loose puck is fought for, played out front, a shot, Hill the save, the horn sounds! And the Golden Knights hang on to take game four, three, two, and we've got all kinds of altercations down there at ice level now. We've got a pile back in behind the net for Hagee's on top of a Golden Knight out in front. Aiden Hill, the Knights goaltender who didn't even start playing regularly for this team until round two, continued to be a hero. After the game, Aiden the intern became Aiden the Con Smythe candidate as he discussed the final scrum. Yeah, no, I kind of got tripped up there for a second. I think it was someone behind me, but yeah, just getting up and, you know, it's just trying to do anything you can to keep up on it, you know, where, where it is and just trying to make the save. And then at the end, kind of with a little scrum, but yeah. 
For the Panthers, they now try to avoid elimination in Vegas on Tuesday night and may have to do so without star forward Matthew Kachuk on his A game. Kachuk was laboring through an injury most of game four and played just four shifts in the third period on Saturday night. The Panthers, though, did come back from three games to one down to beat the Bruins in round one. But if Katy Perry was a Panthers fan, she wouldn't want to hear these excuses. Don't be a baby. Remember what you told me. Shut up and put your money where your mouth is. That's what you get for waking up in Vegas. Game five is Tuesday night on the Strip. And that is your Canadian bacon. Wow. Strong performance from Mraz. One of his best this postseason. Let's see what the scoring says. Four and a half. Wow. Four and a half. Which is appropriate. That was either a four and a half or a four seven five. That was some of Mraz's best work. The writing was some of his best. It might have been his best script. I'm going to go over the hit list. I loved almost all of it. Chandler binged. I really liked. Janice, ha, 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 ha. A playoff of the Friends Janice with the annoying laugh. Excellent. Carlson with a K. That's a winner. Montour de France cycled his way through. Excellent. I really love this turn of phrase. He gave us a dog's. For Barkov, very smart night for dogs. Then the Henry Hill, Aiden Hill, good fella connection. He wove in an A Stadium joke, which you know for me is right up my alley. That's like asking if I want the Buccaneers throwbacks back. Aiden the intern reference there, all really good. The song itself, he's had much better ones. The Katy Perry was okay, but I can't mark him down because it wasn't bad. Really, the only thing to mark down is that slip up with the pig and the sleep juice. I didn't even really get the joke to begin with. <laughs> Me neither. And then he stumbled on that. That's the only thing. So that's either a half an oink off or a .25 oink off. But that's a 4.5 or a 4.75 unless you are absolutely adamant that Mraz needs to make you laugh out loud for a ridiculous song. I, don't, I think that's a little unfair. I love when he does it. I don't think it has to be there. I don't think it has to be mandatory for a great bacon. So I think four and a half is a is an appropriate grade for this. Bogues, what do you think? Yeah, this is um this is a weird spot because it was really well written. I mean, might be Sean's best script, and it does call into question the fact that this game was Saturday night. So we had all of Sunday to think of these okay. things or ask for help. But what what it was lacking, I thought, was that one signature Sean moment. Even the mess up, like, we moved past it quickly and then delivered the joke fine. Like, even that wasn't the typical high-end best part of Sean's Bacons. So, yeah, I think four and a half, four, seven, five, that's a good spot for it. Anything else would be nitpicking. I mean, we did get the Montour de France, like, it's the Tour de France. You could have like you could have oh, done the whole French right. thing. You went like you read like if you're from Iowa. Um, other than and like I, and like Dia said, I didn't understand that joke I, after the mess. I didn't get it when you delivered it correctly, so I was all uh, off on that one to begin with. But otherwise, that was really really good. 
Yeah, I, I, before Pete comments, I just want to tell you that joke was one I thought I'd edit out of the script because I didn't feel comfortable. <laughs> um, I thought I'd change it around because ba- it's a it's a joke about putting a cat to sleep. Instead, the pink put oh. sleep juice would begin to drip. You know that pink stuff that puts animals to sleep. That's ridiculous. See, see, I, I don't think that's well known enough. They yeah, the pink to, juice to be a reference. Taste. It was but, definitely poor taste, and that's why as I started reading, I said, "Oh no, I never edited this out." So that's why I stumbled and said, "Well, I'm here, so I got to deliver it." Yeah, I, I mean, thought it was pig juice, like no, a Canadian pink, bacon reference. Pink put to sleep juice. That's kind of like a, a phrase for that 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 liquid that puts an animal to sleep. That is gross. Yeah, I mean, so even before the poor tasting, I just don't think that's a that's a thing, <laughs> a joke that people would ever get. Oh, I think the question becomes. Can Mraz get a perfect bacon, a five-oinker, if he doesn't make you laugh out loud? And this was Hmm. one where it's very clever, but there's not that booming, oh, my God, he went there, or that song is so ridiculous. Wasn't that line? And this is, well, this is for the, the historians to discuss. This is for the the students to discuss that analyze these types of things. Can Mraz achieve a perfect oink if he doesn't make you laugh boisterously out loud? Because let's just say he eliminated the pink juice joke and it just wasn't there. He could have made the argument for a five oinker there, but it wouldn't have had a rowdy laugh. Like, we'll never use the Katy Perry thing probably as a drop. No. It it wasn't that great. No. But, okay, so, Pete, what did you grade down the half oink on? It was the the stumble. It was the stumble because I... Even though he did write probably his best copy, I think he writes very long sentences. And I think that's what jams him up in in stuff like that. You're right about that. And that's why we get the in 2016. Right. Because (laughs) in broadcast writing, the way to avoid having to keep your voice going up and up and up and up is you write write shorter sentences. Sound bites. Right for sound bites. Bop, 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 bop. Bop, 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 bop. But if you have really long sentences, you have to go ba 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 and which is where you get in twenty sixteen. So Pete, if he did not have the slip up with the pink juice, could it have been a five? Uh no, because no, because what he just said, that joke was in bad taste. I did not like that joke at all. But let's say he eliminated that. Uh it's possible. Okay. We, we have to see that we would have to hear it though because it, it, who knows what would have happened if it could there have been something else that would have screw, uh, been screwed up but I would say <laughs> I would say there's a chance yeah see I still I, think and we I mean, we can't do four eight four nine with our oink scale <laughs> but I still think even you know, delivered perfectly even not understanding the pink sleepy juice reference I still think I would have been missing that well, one singular moment that we didn't I, get in this. I, I would say I, this I would have taken if I had the ability to take points off I would have taken a half a point off for that joke well wow. let me just I just want to close with this I think the mortality of Pat Boyle helped me here this morning. I think that watching Pat Boyle do this too much, get too many reps to the point he was exposed a little bit, not living up to his promises, realizing he is a mere mortal and not just, you know, king of the oinks, let's get porked, I think calmed me down a lot today. There was no, I felt no pressure today. So I'm going to come out, I'm going to just do my work and the crew is going to like it and that's it. And I think that you guys missed me a little on bacon here. Here we go. I don't think we missed you, but I think we made a very salient point here. And that is... When you were up against Pat Boyle in a home run hitting competition, basically, you're swinging out of your shoes. Everything is a big swing, swinging for the fences. 
when you saw him falter, and for those that don't know, he guaranteed a perfect Canadian bacon last week. He said, in fact, it was going to be the greatest bacon ever, and then completely imploded. It was a disaster. He didn't even finish it. What it allows you to do is just go out there and hit a couple of doubles. You're going three for three, mm-hmm. four for four. You're driving runs in, but you're not swinging out of your cleats. And so you were very comfortable today, and the script was very good, and you didn't go for the wow moment. And I think maybe that did help you here. Thank you. I feel really good, and I'm looking to, you know, Vegas wins. We're going to have a good, strong bacon, but I'm not going to make guarantees like Pat Boyle. You're either going to like it or not like it on Thursday morning. But I, it does beg the question, that again, the, the historians will have to answer this. This is for the... <laughs> Or Wednesday morning. <laughs> For the educators out there, the, those that, that really study the Canadian bacon lore, does Marat, does every bacon that's a five need a wow moment? Or can you ham and egg your way to a perfect well, score? I, I, can, I don't think if you need a wow moment. If the writing is good and the delivery is clean enough, can you ham and egg your way to a five? Or does well, it ha- need some magic? But how about every time I have a wow moment, I seem to get graded down for said wow moment. Now I can't get a five unless I have the wow moment. See what I mean? The goalposts are always moved here on the DA show. We like wow moments around here. <laughs> we we live, we thrive on After wow moments. After spending three years of cre- crushing my wow moments. That, yeah. that was one of your strongest. It was, yeah. but but let's also, let's be honest now. For the Katy Perry song at the very end didn't have to be there. It seemed like, it, I wouldn't it say. It did not. Well, but I, waking up in Vegas is not. Right, right. So, I mean, I wouldn't it say. Was it was a treat for the fans. Oh, right. It was a, a treat for the song. kid in Indianapolis. <laughs> I was waiting for when's the song come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't forced, but it was like, it was extra. But then it also wasn't. Great. Like, it was fine, but it wasn't comically bad or comically good. So, like, you you gave yourself a chance to have the wow moment, but you didn't deliver the wow moment with the oh. Katy Perry song. You liked it anyway, folks. I did. Yeah. You said we missed it. We did, and we gave it a four and a half, four, seven, five. You can't miss it and give it a score like that. And here comes the pat on the back. Right. As he raises his glass. Right. Literally pats himself on the back. Yeah. Perez. After admitting that he was mentally spooked by Pat Boyle. <laughs> no one knows what analytics is. They think it's like a bunch of nerds doing math, which I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it's time now for the Mothership's Advanced Analytics. After Bernie, the Heat mascot, got sent to the hospital after Conor McGregor kicked the bleep out of him. As a team mascot, which form of pain would you rather? Getting punched by McGregor or leveled by Jamal Adams like Pat Patriot did? 73% of you say leveled by Jamal Adams. McGregor is a trained plumber. He was a plumber before getting into MMA. Jamal Adams, a big fan of veggie burgers and perhaps no mascot in America, had it worse than Long Island Ducks mascot Quacker Jack getting harassed by Peter Schwartz's kids for souvenirs between every inning of every game they attend. <laughs> nice. Let's get to your epic fail of the morning, boys and girls. Mraz, we were discussing, better to be a booze hound and drug addict or overweight if you want to hit 85. Here's your fail. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic fail. Now, I, I would say that there are certainly fat people where you could tell, you know, the ones, again, where they need to bathe outside on the porch. Those are the kind of ones that I would agree. Now you can take shots, though. I do love kielbasa. Worse than, you know, hard drugs. But I think, you know, your average fit fatty like me is not as in bad a shape as Lawrence Taylor is with all the drugs he's using. Well, that's right. If you're 20 pounds overweight, you're doing way better than LT. Boo, Jamal! Boo, 
Jamo! 20 pounds overweight and that versus doing a lot of cocaine, a lot of strippers, and a lot of booze over the course of 40 years. Yeah, you're doing way better. I think it, it comes to the point where you're if you're 50 pounds overweight. Once you get into those, you know, it's like when you go to Disney, when you see those people. <laughs> the hamburg is good because the bread is, is something special about the bread. <laughs> the bowling alley. It's not a small world there. You're right, T.A. <laughs> Those are the overweight people that you got to worry about because that's 50 to 75 pounds over what oh, their playing weight should be. The people where above their knees are so fat it starts to look like a hot dog bun? Yes, those people. <laughs> yes, those people are not making 82 like <laughs> Pete Rose. There's something about the bread in those Shake Shack hamburgers. I can't figure out what they do to the bread. <laughs> <laughs> Also, it, do, it does make the question. <laughs> That's the most walking they do all year. Oh, there's no question. That's the best cardiovascular they get for years. I, I love the pot shots here taken by Mraz and these guys. <laughs> oh, and I've never tackling. been one of the fat people at Disney. I've never TA's right. The bread is just incredibly good. They can't stop getting those Mickey pretzels. Like he's Fred Fitness. Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. Before we get out of here, I want to read a tweet from Comeback Kid who says, Guys, happy to say I'm back listening to you. I was seeing a woman the last few months and loved talking to her every morning on the phone, but it took away from listening to you guys. Glad to be back full time. Bogus had mentioned you only missed 114 things now that'll be inside jokes. <laughs> and Comeback Kid said, I'd still listen here and there and try to catch the show on YouTube. Just my focus can be back to you guys. Have you ever been in a relationship where you wanted to talk to the other person every single day on the phone? No, I can't. I can't imagine. say that I have. And I, that's probably why it's done now. I would assume they broke up. How could you want to do that? <laughs> I mean, and I love my wife, but she didn't want to talk to me every day on the phone. That's no. for sure. <laughs> oh, man. That's horrible. So come back, kid. Welcome back after a, a, maybe a too clingy of a relationship. Welcome <laughs> back to the DA Show. All right. Thanks to Sean Mraz, executive producer. Thanks to Pete the Body Bilotti on the Wheels of Steel and Audio Director. Thanks to Andrew Bogush on your headlines. And the Wizard of Watch DA is Andrew Kaplan. We are only four days away from Bob's Bar. Be good and be good to one another. I'm DA. We will see you tomorrow. The Mothership disconnects. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs>